Welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. This week I'm talking again about the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Last week I had, uh, no, two weeks ago, I had the episode about, let's say, the core content. What, who was there? What was there? What are the trends that I was seeing? So if you haven't heard that episode and uh, you're interested in what was happening at Vegas Go back there and uh, listen to that. This week is something like an add-on, an add-on episode on, yeah, the thoughts that I had while walking through the aisles, while looking at the exhibits, while talking to clients and business partners, and while having a beer after the show, and there were thoughts running through my head, and my brain was working, and At the end, I came up with five open questions that I think it's worth thinking about and that will shape the future of automotive HMIs. And I'm, I'll take this episode of the Human Technology Podcast to talk about them, to think about them, to discuss them. And of course, uh, you are more than welcome to give me your feedback on any channel and to let me know your thoughts on these five questions that I'm having. So question number one is the role of touchscreens in automotive HMIs. Is it a sweet poison? Number two is HMI development without silos. How do we get true multi-modality? Number three is on the user experience of people movers. These fully autonomous, I call them cardboard boxes on wheels. And I have the feeling we are just driving around empty spaces and we are missing the unique opportunities we have in these vehicles to create outstanding user experiences. Number four Who is doing what here in this car? For a probably long time, we will have task sharing in vehicles, meaning we get better and better driver assistance systems. More and more tasks will be performed by, by the vehicle, but there are still quite some things remaining for the human. And the problem is, How do we design this task sharing and how do we communicate this? Who is doing what at the moment and how may that change uh, 
in the near future. And number five, I had the feeling maybe the end is near. Is there a future in automotive HMI developments? Yes or no? Yeah, and this will be question number five. I will, I will think about. All right, let's just jump right into it. Touchscreens, are they a sweet poison or not? There is hardly any car out there without a touchscreen today. We have growing amount of glass surfaces in vehicles with digital uh, designs behind it. And we can interact with tapping on it, with swiping on it. And there is, from my point of view, no question that we need this high level of functional integration. So in the late 90s that, that picked up when we found out we have so many new functions with telephone, with navigation on the dashboard that we can not continue with these, this old paradigm of one function, one button, one button, one function in one location, what I call the one-to-one-to-one -one -one paradigm. This will not work. And we have all these new functions and we have a growing number of functionalities from um, streaming services, uh, various internet services that we can have. And so definitely with the classic setups until the late 90s, until 20 years ago, this will not be able to handle. The open question is, which interaction devices are the correct ones? And it comes down to the question, touchscreen or controller? What is the better device on a vehicle dashboard? And we see these touchscreens, and my question is, is this the right thing? Is this really safe? Is this providing usability? And at the end, is this providing the right user experience? The advantages of touchscreens, they're obvious. It is very simple. It's a direct manipulation. I tap on something and then something happens with this, something I had tapped on. This is absolutely easy and, and straightforward. We know all these gestures, all these uh, ways of uh, uh, manipulations, like long presses, like swiping, two-finger zooms. All this is known, and we all know this from our smartphones. And my belief is that at least 95% of all car drivers have a smartphone or a tablet and a tablet. And they all, we all learned how to use that. And of course, it is good to have an external consistency to reuse all the interaction paradigms we know from outside the car in the car. Clear advantage. Plus the fact that people that start driving today the young generation, they were born in 2005, 2006, and in 2007, the first iPhone came to the market, meaning this generation, these young kids, they have never lived consciously in a world without touchscreens. They know exactly how to use them, and they have been ubiquitous, in their entire life. And this does something to, to humans. This does something to our brains. And 
Very often people say this is negative impact, but there's also a positive impact because these girls and boys, they know how to do it. The big disadvantage for touchscreens, and this is, there's basically just one, but this is so big that this triggers my thinking. Touchscreens do not have haptic feedback. When you have a row of buttons, when you have a haptic controller, then you have a haptic feedback. You can feel things with your fingertips. When I drive with my uh, Bavarian uh, uh, premium car, I have a controller between the front seats and I can I know where it is. I can put my hand on it and I know the upper right button is for the map and the upper middle button is for the main screen and the upper left button is for media. And I can I can use them blindly without taking my eyes off the road. Touchscreens without this haptic feedback always require visual feedback. Blind use is not possible. It cannot be learned. And this scares me because we have enormous and eyes off the road times um, from people, from humans, from drivers that want to just switch the playlist or switch between map and uh, media view or whatever you may want to do. With a haptic controller, you have a certain chance to do this blindly. With a uh, touchscreen, you will never have the chance to do this. And for me, this is the one big disadvantage. There are a few more, but they do not count that much. But that that, that is the, the big one. And the question here is, does this one make it better to have a touchscreen in the car? Probably, and this is the way I see this, we will have a sweet spot that we need to search for. We have to get back, we have to step back and find out what are the things we need to have on haptic buttons. What makes sense to have in a direct access with a single button click blindly, blind use? And where do we, where, where can we go for the advantages of a touchscreen without losing too much safety and usability. There is two more points um, that uh, um, that speak for touchscreens. One is that they are cheaper than buttons today. So, yeah, we can save a lot of money. Everybody believes Tesla is a technology forerunner with having this touchscreen only in the Model 3. No, they wanted to save money, and this is why they do not have any cars in there. And the second point is that technologies like Android Auto and Apple CarPlay will require or do require touchscreens to be on the dashboards. So we will need the touchscreens. Yes, and they have the advantages. My point is the sweet spot is, the sweet spot is definitely not on touchscreen only. But where is it? This is one of the big challenges, the big questions we should answer in automotive HMIs. 
Second point, HMI development in silos. Humans are multimodal. We prefer to communicate on all channels. So at the moment we have a one channel, one direction communication. This is audio only and I'm talking to you. You cannot reply directly. You can send me a mail, you can do whatever. Yeah, give me, give me a call on my smartphone, but you cannot answer. So, so we have a one-way interaction, which is pretty reduced. And as much as we all hate these video conference tools, they at least allow us to see the people, not only hear them, to see the people we are talking to. So there is a second channel. We as humans, as we are, were created 50,000 years ago, the natural way of communication is hanging around a campfire and having full communication with humans, with other humans that are present, that are there, that we can not only see and hear, but that we can all smell them, we can touch them, uh, we can feel the aura they, they have. These are things that um, are the natural ones. And for human-machine interaction, the benchmark is the human-human communication, which means it shall be visual, it shall be about speech, language, gestures are pretty important, uh, the haptic feedback, smell, aura, all these things that I mentioned. We are having these multiple channel HMIs today. So we may have a gesture recognition and a touchscreen and a controller and a voice recognition. Looks good. Looks like multimodal. What is Peter complaining about? The problem is it is difficult to switch between the channels. Very often if you start an interaction on one channel, for example, setting up a playlist on the touchscreen, and you then start driving and you want to continue by voice, you very often lose all the things you have already put into the system. So you're losing the data, you're losing the work you have done, you have already made before. And this problem will not be solved by the technology providers. So a speech recognition engine is a speech recognition engine and a foil on a touchscreen with the respective electronics for touch detection is always this foil, nothing more. A gesture recognition camera uh, with the respective electronics will always be that and nothing else. So the solution is that multimodality shall be created in the HMI in the human-machine interface, in the overarching connecting software that binds all these things together. And this is a request to the tool manufacturers, and a few of them um, are my clients. I'm, I'm talking to them. Uh, it's a request to them saying, hey, realize this. Allow in your tool, and I know this is enormous amounts of software because you will have to define all the interfaces. You will need to define... Uh, locations for data storage. You will need to define access from the gesture recognition to what has been written on the screen. All this is required, but uh, 
to get out of these silos, to get a full multimodal impression, to switch between the different interaction channels, this is required. Number three, the user experience of people movers. There have been a few people movers on the show, not as many as a few years ago, but uh, there were a few. They're basically autonomous vehicles that drive around people. Fully autonomous, no driver in it, all self-driving. And they are meant to replace buses and trains in inner urban areas, in urban areas and inner city areas. They shall replace them or complement them. And in those that are designed pretty well, um, ZF, for example, had one that was very well advanced, uh, particularly in the interior, beautiful displays, um, intelligent interior. They look like trains and buses. You have rows of seats, um, you have um, locations where you can stand and you have handles there and you have all the displays giving you information on the route, on the location, on the direction, on the destination. and yeah, All that is showing in there. Most of these concepts include only empty spaces. If you look into it, there is a bench, there is maybe a display and maybe a USB plug and that's it. So we drive around empty spaces, empty rooms. For me, this is totally ridiculous. This is I, I just don't understand this. Because we know where humans are. We know what mindset they have. We know their roles, their goals. We know the postures they're in. We know the direction they look at. We have seats they are tied into. And then my question is, isn't there anything more we can do with that situation to create outstanding user experiences? Entertainment is one thing. You can use these glass services, the displays. You can use that for, for showing movies. You can use it for education, communication. You can integrate this rolling device, this cardboard box on wheels, these people movers into the environment by showing augmented reality information on the outside. You drive by, you pass by the Brandenburg Gate in Berlin and it tells you, yeah, this is the Brandenburg Gate. It was built in 1700 something and, and so on. So you can integrate this, uh, the car and the human more into the environment. You can create virtual realities in these vehicles. You can create unique haptic experiences. You can, for example, use massage seats. And this is not rocket science. This is existing. You just need to plug it into these people movers. You can have yeah, hot stone massage in the seat. You can, you can, uh, have, you can use it for interaction, for shoulder tapping, for warnings for whatever you can even use this for virtual realities um, that, that you move the seat um, that, that you shake it you rattle it if, uh, if, if, if it requires if some game you play requires that or if a movie uh, is, is requiring that so you can do all this and I just don't see it 
there are these vehicles out there and yes of course they are meant to communicate technology and autonomous driving but why are they so boring so empty why isn't there anything in there Next point, task sharing between the rolling robot and the human brain in semi-autonomous vehicles, in automated vehicles, not fully but partially automated vehicles. The basic question here is which tasks are solved by the rolling robot and which are on the human side? Simple question, complex answers. And then if you say, okay, we also should show or we should indicate to the driver how that will change in the future. One example, I'm driving on a highway, well-maintained, uh, well-equipped, so I can drive uh, partially automated, meaning I take off and then my hands from the wheel, I can, uh, the, the car knows where it is in the lane, it is lane keeping on, and uh, it knows the distance to the car ahead, it knows the maximum speed, so it's driving by itself, and I'm controlling the machine while it is doing its job. This is what it's called level 2 autonomous driving, or level 2 automated driving. Um, yeah, some car companies use other words for this, but it's level 2. The car will know I will leave the highway at the next exit, and then this driving will not be possible anymore because I'm not on a highway anymore and it's an unknown environment. So please take over there. Dear driver, you will need to take over at the, in, in, in two minutes when I will leave the highway. This is the scenario that I mean. And we need to solve this. How, how can we communicate this? How, how do I show the status of who is doing what? And how do I communicate what's coming next when? And this is critical for security, for safety. We need to be safe on the roads. And if, if uh, drivers are surprised by, oops, what's happening here? And, and I thought the car is driving and the car is not driving. I need to drive. Then I have a serious problem. And this is not theoretical. So I, I had a very nice uh, SUV from a German premium company, uh, from a rental car company while I was driving in the southwest. And it was totally ridiculous. There was there was an icon on the dashboard covered by the steering wheel. And I think it had something to do with the driver assistance systems, with the lane keeping system. And it was green. It was, sometimes it changed its color. Sometimes it was blinking. Sometimes it wasn't there. It was not there. And what does it mean? What does the car do when this icon is on? I never learned it. I drove over 1,000 1, miles in, in Nevada and in California. And at the end, I gave it back to, to the rental car company at Los Angeles Airport. And I had never understood what this icon means and what the car does and what I need to do. So I did the job because I was definitely not sure what this car is, is doing. So this is the situation we have today. And we need, we need a clear communication of the status and of what's happening next in this task sharing between the rolling robot and the human driver. Final question that came to my mind. Is there a future in automotive HMI developments or is the end near? 
the number of really exciting automotive HMI exhibits on the CES was low, extremely low. Um, from my point of view, two outstanding booths. One was uh, the company Forvia from, from France, formerly known as Forisia. They showed a beautiful uh, seat back with a lot of storytelling in it uh, from new materials, new HMIs, new seat configurations. So very nicely done, down to a bonsai tree um, they planted into it. Um, that, that was outstanding. And then the BMW ID Vision that, were, that they showed, that was a nice one with a full screen head-up display with gesture recognition, no buttons. I mean, it's a show car. We don't know what will be on the roads. And look above on uh, my sweet spot search. But um, that was also outstanding. All the rest was just like, hmm, okay. So, question, is there a future in automotive HMI? Second thing is Android Auto and Apple CarPlay could take over. I take this pretty serious. And when, when I rent a car, and I do this usually once a month at least, and in any of these cars, either even if it is a, a super cheap, uh, uh, low-cost rental car, I had uh, one of those last weekend when I was at, at Mallorca. Even they have Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. And that is so omnipresent. And then we get into this thing, is this HMI really the correct one in cars and the touchscreen thing I have discussed earlier. And But they are extremely ubiquitous they're ubiquitous on on dashboards on the other hand i don't want to be too negative on this one many many points are still open we have the problem with the silos with the multimodality we have the problem with the task sharing in semi-autonomous driving we have the ux issue in people movers all the things i have just mentioned and I see that I mean, there, there will be a shift in automotive HMI development away from the infotainment displays, the sheer, let's do some navigation manual tree, to how do we design the relationship between a piece of technology that is a lot of things doing by itself and a human that has certain needs in safety, security, entertainment, fun, um, life. One more point that will influence future developments in HMI development is artificial intelligence. I'm working in a project funded by the German government uh, where we research on this. Super interesting stuff. How do we show that there is an artificial intelligence? And what does an artificial intelligence actually do in automotive HMIs? And how will users accept this? Other points, virtual realities. That is coming up. Uh, a friend of mine calls it glassification, meaning everything is moving up to the glasses. Head-up displays here, head-up displays there. And it makes sense on, uh, in some aspects. Uh, again, we need to search for a sweet spot. There's no easy solution to it, but it will be possible. Gamification is a future. Taking the experience and the interaction paradigms from the gaming industry 
and putting that into a car. Holograms, gestures, the full immersion of humans in vehicles. All those are open points. All these are things that automotive HMI needs to think about where people like you and me will put focus on, will put work in, will put brain power in, and will create solutions. So there is a future in automotive HMI development. To bring it to an end, there is no reason for pessimism. We have all the chances to do things. We need to change the way we think about automotive HMIs. It shall expand. It shall be broader. It shall be more on the relationship and not so much on, hey, um, what is the font size here and where do I put that menu tree? It's all important. It's all We all need to do this, but we need to expand it uh, and will that change our, our thought structures. So we'll go away from a traditional HMIs, infotainment, Navi and so on and uh, move on to holistic user experiences and immersions, multimodal immersion of users. The definition of the role of artificial intelligence is open. One of the big questions for the futures. And at the end, I come to the conclusion, there is a lot to do. Let's just start with it and make this world a better place with better automotive technology. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.